Welcome to Australian Hunger, I'm your host Ben. Today's show I've got an interview with Australian band Sumeru. They're putting out their new album, Summon Destroyer, today. Really exciting to have been able to interview them and put out the interview on the very same day as the album's being released. Something I haven't done before because I feel like I've kind of been playing catch up until now. I've had bands that have previously released albums that I wanted to talk to them about and now I'm sort of being able to be a bit more on top of the ball and say like I, I can see a band that's releasing albums soon and I can actually release them in anticipation of that really exciting um, I also interviewed Alithia in regards to an album that came out today as well that interview will be out on Tuesday or thereabouts so look forward to that um, but before I get to the interview with Sumeru something I wanted to discuss so there was a study by Fender the guitar manufacturer which suggested that women account for 50% of all beginning and aspirational guitar players really exciting news and I was going to come on and say hey this could be the start of a really exciting a future in music more generally but heavy metal as well where women begin to become musicians more than they have been in the past and when I say musicians I mean player of instruments because there is an unfortunate tendency in heavy metal for women to be singers and they don't necessarily participate in the broad spectrum of heavy metal and I was going to come in and hear and say hey this is really exciting Um, look what the future can hold for us But alas, that's only one part of getting women more involved in being the players of music. And there are other aspects which kind of prevent women from being more involved. Two I'm going to talk about now is some stories that came out during the week is that Cat Katz, who was a vocalist for the grindcore band Agoraphobic Nobisbleed, announced that she's leaving the group saying in a Facebook post, Tired of being bullied by dudes, Salome, and now Agoraphobic Nosebleed. I quit Agoraphobic Nosebleed tonight. Hopefully I find a band that respects me and treats me as an equal. Another story regarding uh, the former member of Absu, Melissa Moray, who was known in the band as Vis Crom. She put on her Facebook page publicly announcing something that's previously been known to people close to her, saying, Actung, most of you know me from my time as Vis Crom of Absu, even though I probably don't look like a Melissa then. I'm a transgender woman. If you live in the USA, I ask all true heavy metal brothers and sisters to not vote for Republican scum on November 6th. Um, you know, putting out a plea for for people to recognize that Republican uh, politicians and voting for them affects the way transgender people are treated by policy, by by their their institutions in the American society. Um, So yeah, really, really impassioned plea for that. But um, it came out in a Twitter exchange later in the afternoon where she said that her former band members were transphobic and blamed the dissolution of the band on her coming out as a transgender woman. Um, Quote, it's a long story and today is a busy day, but basically the most fucked up transphobia from my bandmate is what happened. The band is broken up and I'm still lost at how to handle it. And basically it demonstrates a problem we have. It doesn't matter if you have 50% of guitar players being women, therefore, theoretically, in the future, 50% of the guitar players that are able to play in bands being women. If there is a group of people within the community who are in bands and are treating a particular other aspect of the community uh, disrespectfully and making them not want to be in bands, not only does it mean that you've got a split in the community where you've got one group that's disrespectful of the others, but it also may mean that you have that particular community, women, who become disillusioned with being in bands, who, because of their treatment in particular instances, and this is by no means the treatment is universal, there's very differing experiences, but there's no doubt that this is a problem. It means that women may become discouraged, they may stop playing music altogether, and they may just leave the heavy metal community and find other forms of music which are more receptive to them and that's really unfortunate because not a situation where we have women and the community has to change heavy metal has has to make these radical uh, accommodations for women no it expands the community it means we have even more music even more people producing really cool stuff that we can enjoy and people being fucking assholes and treating women badly is uh, really not a great way for the the community to expand for new people with different experiences to bring their own you unique perspective to music and uh, it's a shame and I hope that with this crop of women it sort of has a, a, a forceful changing element to it that you know it can it can not only bring sort of the population to the community but also can bring 
the perspective of that population that changes the way the community acts. So that that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. But there's no doubt we have a we have an issue, and it's something that we really need to address in anticipation of this potential great future that we have available to us. So Sumeru is an interesting band, and it's one of those rewarding experiences because they released their first album, which is kind of a broad mix of stoner and sludge. Really, really enjoyable and great music to bang your head to. But on their second album, they've made a change. They've included a lot more different styles in it, and that makes for a really interesting interview. So I spoke to their guitarist, Peter Bursky, about their new album and you know, some of the influences, in particularly like meditation and some really interesting stuff like that that's gone into the how he's approached music. Uh, during the interview, I play a track, Summer Destroyer, in the middle, and I play Embrace the Cold at the end. It's Peter Bursky of Sumeru. start um well basically i guess this band came out of um uh, three three of us were in an old hardcore band called no apologies uh that broke up around 2008 um i went overseas and just kind of put music aside for about almost a year uh but when i came back i kind of still had um, this desire to play music again and especially play something heavy. Um, some of those songs from some of the songs we didn't get to sort of finish off or record with uh, that band, No Apologies, um, and the kind of the direction that band was going, um, I started uh, with started using for what would essentially become um, Sumeru songs. So I called up the drummer. Um, Andreas and just said let's let's have a jam. So uh, we started jamming. I think around the end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010, um, and we just kind of you know met up every now and then and wrote some riffs, and got some ideas down that I had. Uh, and we did that for about a year um, until basically we got the the old guitarist from No Apologies. We got him back in, Chris. Uh, and then maybe it was another year of jamming of just us three. Um, and then finally, uh, Andreas uh, found a bass player for us, Reg, and he knew Matt, our, our singer that we have now. So, you know, it took, it took a few years to get it off the ground. Um, but once we finally had a bass player and, and singer, then we were able to start um, playing shows. And I think our first show was in 2012. I think, uh, and then we did the EP, first EP demo thing in like 2013. So that, that's kind of how it got got started, I guess. Yeah. Mm, now I noticed that you, a lot of you guys were in a band called uh, Lomera or Lomera. Where, where does that yep. fit into the picture? Uh, that was um, our singer Matt. That was his old band, and our old bass player Reg. He played guitar in that band. Um. But then Reg ended up, so they, they were doing that band while um, while we got no apologies going. Um, but then Reg left Lomera uh, and was just playing with, with us and doing a couple of his other things. Uh, and then Chris, our other guitarist, he joined Lomera. Um, and then Andreas, our drummer, joined Lomera. So uh, it was like three three out of the four members were from we're in, in, in Lomero as well. Um, but that band, yeah, that band broke up a couple of years ago. So now it's just, um, yeah, Sumeru. Interesting. So where does the name Sumeru come from? Like, wh- why did you pick that particular name? Um, well, I guess uh, at the time I was, I mean, it's a, um old Sanskrit name. So it comes from the old Buddhist and uh, Hindu uh, Indian cosmology. Um, Sumer is an ancient kind of mythological mountain representative of, you might say as well, um, of, I guess, one's true nature or one's inner, inner self, um, ultimate self, I guess. 
uh, to it's basically a giant mountain made of that's three million miles high made of iron and um, yeah it's kind of representative of um, I guess our essential nature I guess if you want to call it that yeah uh, at the time yeah when when I kind of thought of the name I mean we didn't have a name for a long time but uh, a lot of the lyrics I was writing for the band was kind of based on a lot of the meditation and yoga stuff that I was doing um, while I was overseas and I kind of wanted to bring that that aesthetic and that kind of uh, the, those kind of philosophies and those ideas and, and stuff into into a kind of a heavy band um, and kind of make it a bit more cosmic and kind of a bit more spiritual if, as well you know uh, I wanted to kind of push those experiences into the into the lyrics and into the music. So that's kind of where the, the where the name comes from and what what it, what it sort of represents as well. Mm, let's talk a little bit about the music. Where you, so you mentioned that you did the EP in 2013, did your first <laughs> album Holy Lands in 2014. Yep. When did you start working on this record? Um, well, so, I mean, some of these songs from this record, like the uh, the last one, like a new ritual. That's we kind of <laughs> we've been writing that song for, uh, or I guess we had the the initial idea for it that was probably like back in 2010. Um, that's been sitting on a on a on tape there, you know. Um, so the main the main kind of riff for that song, we we always wanted to do something with, but you know, we didn't didn't it just didn't arise and um up until you know we started writing for this and then we're like oh let's pull that out and do something with that so some some of it's pretty old uh but we kind of and then the the temple that's the other one that's kind of a few years old now that we've had for a while uh we reworked that a bit when we started uh writing this record because it kind of maybe didn't Kind of the, the band with this record, we kind of evolved into something a little bit different to what we were usually doing. Um, so we changed a few things with that. But most of the other stuff uh, on this record is fairly new in terms of, you know, uh, when we started writing for this, for, for Summon Destroyer. So, um, you know, you might say a couple of years or something that these have been kind of germinating, I guess. Uh, or, or we recorded this a year ago, over a year ago now, so you know, year before that. So it's probably a couple of years before um, since, since we kind of wrote these songs. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you sort of changed your sound a bit, which definitely comes through in the record. Like, wh- where does that come from? Was that sort of a natural development? Was it um, you, you wanted to try something different? How did this sort of new approach to the album come about? Um. Well, we got to a point where we were just like, um, I guess, you know, we need to do another record. There was kind of a lot of timing issues and stuff. Our, our other guitarist was, you know, his wife was, um, they were going to have a kid and stuff like that. And our singer Matt was going overseas for six months. So we sort of said to ourselves, if we don't do an album now, we'll never, never probably do another one. So, um, Around that time also, I mean, I started listening to a lot of of the old metal bands that I used to listen to when I was like 14 years old. So, you know, I was coming back to a lot of that um, death metal and black metal stuff that I used to check out uh, when I was first getting into music and especially, you know, the more kind of extreme metal. So, um, you know, the kind of the early incarnation of the band is – kind of that more kind of stoner, stoner metal, sludge metal kind of thing. Um, but I kind of wanted to go a bit darker with the music, with the new stuff, uh, and even with the new stuff we're doing now, just continuing to go into more darker kind of territory. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's on the, on the album you can hear a bit more of a kind of just straight-up metal influence. Um, there's some elements of, you know, kind of black metal riffing and some, you know, death in there as well. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just basically heavy metal band. Um, we've always said that too, but, uh, yeah, anyway. 
Mm. Now, I understand that you're the primary songwriter, right? Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, primary, so, that, yeah. so how do you go about writing music? Um, uh, I just basically just sit down with a guitar and um, just start, I don't know, I don't know, really just basically sitting down and um, having a jam, you know, along to some other other records I like or something like that. Uh, and then I'll just put that away and then um, just start playing around on the guitar and seeing what comes out. Uh, sometimes the riffs come to me in my head and I can kind of get them out on the guitar. Um, and then I'll just record one riff, put it away. I'll just basically have a, you know, an iPhone, I've got a phone full of recorded riffs that I just kind of hold on to and then wait for another riff to arise. It's going to kind of go with one of those riffs that's on that, on that, um, on that database of riffs, you know. Uh, so I don't kind of I tend not to have all kind of a song structured riff after riff after riff. It'll kind of be an evolution of um, kind of just waiting for pieces to pop up and then me just to put it together with that, you know. Uh, sometimes, I mean, a lot of the time as well, riffs have just naturally arisen, um, just jamming with, with our drummer Andreas, so... That's how a lot of, especially our early stuff came about, it was just basically just pick up the guitar, turn the amp on, and all of a sudden you've got a song, you know. Um, and, yeah, I do a bit of lyric writing as well, so uh, that's, you know, lyrics will just come to me whenever. Um, so it's a bit like the, the kind of guitar, the riff writing process, I just kind of might get a verse down and, it might just sit there for a year, you know, six months, and then I'll come back and have another verse from something and I'll whack them together because they go together or whatever, or maybe I'll have a whole song down in, in five minutes uh, lyrically, um, and then I'll give that to Matt, our singer, and he'll basically put his spin on it and, um, yeah, arrange the, arrange the lyrics in a way that can fit the music, you know, much much better than I can do. So uh, he's really good at that. And it kind of takes it takes the song. I mean, the lyrics are quite vague as they are, but when you give it to someone else to arrange, it becomes even, you know, more vaguer because um, it's their, their interpretation of it, you know. So, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you about uh, something else, but you mentioned the lyrics being vague. I've seen you and Matt use that in interviews before. Um <laughs> Talk, talk he's, a little bit. he's used that before once. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> uh, but um, that's uh, that's one side of it, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm writing from, I guess, my, my experiences in, in meditation practice. So I'm trying to use the, the, uh, the kind of the, the language from those traditions um, and the aesthetic and the kind of the the, the the visual imagery that is in those traditions and kind of put it into words and put it into a kind of, I don't know, um, it's like a, a kind of, I don't know, like a journey of, of the experience, you know, um, told in like a kind of weird story, kind of vague story fashion, you know. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of like that, I guess. So it's, it's, it is based on something. It's not just random whatever, but, um, yeah, like like all things when you're trying to talk about your, your meditation practice, it's pretty hard to put that stuff into words anyway. So you kind of got to use metaphors and things like that to bring, to bring it out. Mm, now, with you not being the singer, Matt being the singer, how, how do you feel about the fact that, like, you're taking sort of this your own experiences, but putting them into words and then sort of giving them off to someone else to kind of vocalise. How, how do you feel about that kind of process? Yeah, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, um, you know, my experience is my experience, but uh, I, I feel it's coming from an honest kind of deep place um, and 
you know, no matter who I give it to, it can't really be uh, the the essence of it can't really be um, you know screwed around with. So you know, he'll pick up on things that I'll kind of only become aware of after I, I read what he's done to the song. So um, I, I love the process of him taking it and just doing whatever he likes with it. You know, um, he still maintains, I guess, the the kind of the initial kind of thing I'm trying to create with the lyrics, but um, if he takes it off in some other direction, which, you know, he has on some of, some of the songs already in this album, then it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, going back a little bit, we were talking about you writing music. At what stage do the rest of the guys come into the picture? Um, I'll just write a few riffs or and then just kind of take one riff into rehearsal and I'll say, well, I've got these two riffs. I think these two riffs go together really well. Let's jam this. And so everyone picks up on that. Um, and then after that, it's usually kind of more of the band working together, I think, to to put in other sections. Um, you know, everyone, everyone in the band's really great musicians. Um, so the other guys have really, really cool ideas in terms of songwriting and structuring. So... Yeah, it's kind of I'll just go in with like bass, bass riffs, and they'll they'll kind of help structure it and write the song, I guess, um, into what it whatever it becomes, you know. Um, and then then Matt will do his thing, and that can sometimes affect how we structure and, and create the riffs as well. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of I'm just kind of chucking an idea into the pot and then um, everyone will kind of help help Stuart, I guess, yeah, into something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the actual recording process, last the last album, I think the majority of it wasn't recorded in the studio except for the drums. This one was. How, how was that sort of comparing those two different experiences? Um. Well, yeah, the last record we pretty much, I mean, everything was pretty much done just ourselves in, in uh, like rooms we hired and set up the mics ourselves and recorded the whole thing ourselves. So uh, in the end, it, you know, like especially with uh, Holy Lands, like I didn't think, I, I often wish we kind of just put a bit more effort into that and recorded it properly. I think it would have been a, a much better record if it was, you know, if we spent the time to time and money to put into a decent recording, um, which we've done with this one, so you know we a lot of a lot of hard work went into it in terms of the recording process and taking time out of our lives to actually get a really decent sounding record. Um, and so we've worked, you know, took, we were in about three different studios I think for this record. So everyone, everything was done with, with good. Good, uh, good gear, good, good engineers, um, good people working on it. So yeah, I think it's um, you can tell the difference. It's obvious as well, you know, comparing this album to to Holy Lands. Mm, definitely. Um, so with, with the album title, where did you draw that from? Um, I think it comes maybe out of just an acknowledgement of kind of the, I guess, the impermanent nature of things and the, the passing nature of everything that kind of arises in the world, in the universe. Um, but it's also, I guess, reflective also of the times and how, you know, we're basically destroying destroying ourselves, you know, to a certain degree. Um, and that's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, so... Um, and you know you have that figure on the cover the image of of basically it's meant to be you know like a Shiva image um, Shiva the destroyer Uh, but also in that in that in that artwork there's a lot of a lot of peace and a lot of you know uh, really beautiful nature as well so um, you know it's just nature eating itself I guess (laughs) and that's okay 
talking sort of more generally with with the topics of like meditation nature you know uh, aspects of hindu tradition what what is sort of attracted to you to those kind of ideas uh well i think just having having a meditation practice to begin with i when i started meditating um about just over 10 years ago now uh i was kind of the, the relationship between that and my music was kind of quite split. And for me, it was like uh, a, maybe a, a war of one or the other, you know. Um, so I went away for about a year and was like right into my retreats and spending a lot of time in, in silence and stuff like that. Uh, but I kind of just had this sort of there was always something within me that always wanted to still play heavy music, you know. Uh, I've studied a lot of different styles of music and was into a lot of different styles, but kind of felt looking back now that I was just was always kind of not acknowledging that uh, deep desire to just play heavy metal, you know. Um, so that kind of got rectified a bit, I think, just before Sumer started, and I wanted to bring both of those things together in in something that was kind of. I guess a bit more positive than than what a lot of um, kind of at least the, the imagery and stuff can be uh, within heavy music. Um, I feel a little bit differently about that now, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to bring bring that those two parts of my life together. I think. Yeah. Are you ever talk a little bit like about what meditation kind of consists of? Like, what 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 is that experience? Experience, like what does it kind of bring to your life? Um, basically, just helps to see things as they are, see see, see things much clear, clear, clearly. Um, you know, the process of meditation it's it's kind of it's not an escape in any way. It's basically just to kind of really analyze your life and see see what's um see where you're suffering, see where, uh, you know, your problems are at, see where you're getting stuck, you know, in different cycles of whatever it is that you're, you're stuck in, uh, and just bringing more awareness to that and um, looking at it, you know, in a way that's kind of clear and, and fearless. Um, so I think it's it's... I mean, that's at least what it is for me at this point. Um, so, yeah, basically just my, my, my personal practice is just to constantly dive deeper into seeing things just as, as they are, you know. So it's quite simple and just accepting the bare fact of life and existence, really. Um, people get old, people die. Uh, we, we, you know... We do this, we do that, and that's that's it, you know. Um, constantly just try and dive into seeing that process more clearly. Mm. Mm. Um, moving, moving back a bit towards the music, one thing that kind of interested me was listening to Holy Lands and the last track, Bell Rocks. It kind of felt like it had a little bit of the exploration you know, it was longer. It had some some quieter parts. It sort of felt like it had a bit more of the exploration that would kind of come with the second record. Is is that in any way true, or am I just seeing stuff that's not there? No, I think I think it's it's very true. Um, I think like we well, I think we're still maybe trying to we haven't really quite nailed the <laughs> exploration vibe on some destroyer it's, it's getting close but um with balrogs i think that was the last song we wrote for that record and so yeah it was uh definitely moving into a much more kind of expansive direction um so yeah ab- ab- absolutely uh i mean that that track would have been amazing if if we kind of maybe recorded it better like um but it is what it is and that's that's the presentation of of us at that time um so yeah 
definitely. So, sort of similar question. I don't know, kind of similar question. Um, Matt's vocals have definitely kind of got a little more. I don't know the right word, like subtle, like sort of uh, mm-hmm. he's able to articulate uh, sort of different moods a lot better. Was that natural development on his part or was that something you were trying to aim to develop for the record? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, with this record we wanted to kind of go go a lot more harder in terms of um, kind of showing our ability in terms of what we can do uh, and everyone – really worked hard to get their parts down and really wanted to kind of nail it. Uh, I think Matt is a great, great example of that on this record. I mean, if you compare it to the last two releases, like the vocals are just phenomenal in terms of their depth. Um, These spent a lot of time. I mean, we didn't get much time to rehearse with him during the writing process and kind of a lot of the things we didn't even know were going to happen until – he recorded the vocals, um, and then when he did record the vocals, it wasn't even uh, with us. He was in Sydney, we were in Adelaide, and he was just sending stuff down while we were writing the music. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's it's definitely much more refined in terms of his, the way he's delivered the things and the dynamic in terms of um, the way he uses his voice, uh, certainly, like, you know, Come so, so far compared to other stuff we've done. Um, yeah. Mm, one last question about the music. Um, you talked a little bit about like that this was a lot of the stuff was written a couple of years ago. You record this a year ago. Um, I think you mentioned new stuff is sort of proceeding even further in that direction. Can you talk a little bit about like? The, you know, I, know, I know it's kind of a bit ridiculous to talk about the new stuff and it's you know the new album, but I just want to kind of get a flavour of where you guys, like the kind of mood, like you know, where's it, where's it kind of heading? What's the kind of thing that you're looking for to do next? Um, well, I definitely want to, I definitely want to make it the the songwriting much more darker. Uh, I'm really kind of interested in you know, extremely dark music now, um, a lot of different, like, sounds I've never really played around with before in terms of, you know, the harmony and, and scales and things like that. Uh, and just to create a more, more of that kind of journey element within the music but make it, you know, super dark with just, you know, little... Um, but not dark in a sense where it's kind of like monotone or kind of just one droney thing the whole way, but um, really kind of bring out that dark journey, I guess, uh, within at least the the, um, the music at this stage. Uh, there's also a lot more, um, I guess, you know, blast beat kind of stuff and kind of the extremes of tempo I think will be a lot more apparent. Um also, maybe some shorter songs, you know, uh, or if there is longer songs, just trying to really develop more that ability to write longer songs, you know. Um, I think we've already improved since the record in terms of knowing kind of uh, the kind of the more subtle subtle aspects of writing longer longer songs. Um, so, yeah, I think it's. It's going to be darker, harder, faster, um, and hopefully a bit more kind of otherworldly than what it already is. <laughs> no, that, that sounds really exciting. Um, in terms of playing live, have you played any of the stuff from the new album live yet? Yeah, we've played, we've played um, I think we've played all songs actually, except uh, A New Ritual. Yeah, everything else we've played. So we've played, oh, we haven't even, Embrace the, there's two songs we haven't played. And they're kind of the, the new rituals, the longest song in the album. Um, Embrace the Cold is pretty long as well, but it's also quite a tricky song. And uh, when we tried to play it live once, and <laughs> I don't think anyone really got it, so we've got to develop it a bit more and um, maybe let people hear it on record first. 
Mm. Um, in terms of like, the limited amount of playing live that you've done for the, for the new record, the, the songs that you have played, uh, how is it playing those songs live? Because, you know, as we've, we've been discussing, they kind of got a different thrust to them than some of your previous stuff. Yeah, I think, I think they're a lot harder to play, like, in terms of technicality. Like, um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, we've, we've had the, the, the song The Temple we've had in our set for a very long time. Um, but all the other, which, so that's, that's, you know, pretty good for us. But uh, even still, like with this record, we stuffed around with the tempo on that and played around with how the, the push and pull of the groove and um, trying, to, trying to bring that out live now is, is, is a challenge. Um, and, you know, especially songs like Durga Durga, uh, you know, Embrace the Cold, they're, they're, they're quite hard songs to play um, and just kind of you have these kind of shifting, oh, and Summon Destroyer also, you have these kind of shifting um, grooves throughout the music that's kind of takes a while to develop the ability to kind of control it and kind of get that subtle, you know, shift in the in the bounce there. Um, so we're, get, we're getting better at it. Everything's kind of improving. I think we're... Yeah, much better live band than we ever have been um, because of it also. Uh, so, yeah, there's, it's definitely definitely been a challenge, that's for sure, to try and get these songs up to, you know, a decent um, live kind of presentation, I guess. So you guys are releasing this through Wormhole Death, uh, mm-hmm. which is a European label. How did you come to sign with Wormhole Death? Um, basically, I was just kind of doing doing our own kind of, I guess, PR work for the band and trying to find someone to, to put the record out. Um, and they were, I guess, one of the first ones that kind of replied and said, yeah, we're interested in, in releasing it. Um, we've got them doing the digital and the, the CD release. Uh, so, yeah, they've been, they've been great. Um, we had a lot of fun putting that together. Uh, and, yeah been cool yeah that's really good a few personal questions about you when did you start listening to heavy music um probably when i was like 13 or 14 uh i started out first the first song that kind of switched me onto music it was uh pantera this love um it was at my friend's house you know, just before high school or whatever and uh, that song came on and I, uh, I said to myself, I want to play music for the rest of my life. Uh, so that was a kind of a powerful experience. Um, and, you know, so early early teens, it was, it was all about, you know, bands like Pantera and uh, Fear Factory and kind of all those, you know, Sepultura and all those kind of, you know, Slayer and all those popular metal bands. Um and then before long, I was, you know, getting into Cannibal Corpse and Napalm Death and bands like that, and then Dark Throne and, uh, you know, going down the kind of the more <laughs> darker and more extreme paths um, with music, you know, seeing uh, um, some of those those bands back in the mid-90s and stuff, you know, it was, uh, it was great. Mm, so how did you end up in a hardcore band with, uh, I think it's almost all the rest of the band, really, um, before uh, Sumeru? Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, after that, uh, the kind of the, the, the musical journey began, and then, you know, after metal, I got into, you know, pop punk and um, was listening to all that stuff, and then was kind of looking for, I guess, something a bit more harder and more extreme it's still kind of within that realm. So then I discovered hardcore. I saw Toe to Toe for the first time um, and saw Sick of It All, you know, uh, and bands like that. Uh, And then so I was into hardcore, playing a lot of hardcore bands for many years. Um, And then No Apologies was kind of the last, last kind of hardcore band that I did. before before Sumeru and kind of came back to the more, I guess, you know, metal side. I mean, really, if you if I look at it, Sumeru is the first, like, metal band that I've done. 
Um, it's either always been punk punk bands or hardcore punk bands, or and kind of you know the all the offshoots within that genre. Um, you know, there's a lot lot of styles there. Mm. Is there anything in particular which brought you back to metal? Um, I, I just feel like it's such a uh, just a such a beautiful art form, really. I mean, um, the the kind of the ded- dedication people have towards it, uh, and just the, those those classic albums as well. Like, there's nothing there's nothing better. I mean. You know, there's, there's it's the same thing in hardcore. I mean, people, people, um, there, there are you know the classic albums and stuff. But for me, metal um, just always had something, I guess, a bit a bit deeper. Uh, you know, from an from an early age as well. That's what I was into, and that's what really grabbed me. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, now kind of come full circle over the past you know five years or so. Uh, so, yeah, I just think it's for me. It just offers a bit more depth. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Why did you start playing the guitar? Um. Well, I wasn't. I, told, I wanted to play drums initially, <laughs> but my parents convinced me to learn guitar instead. Um. So yeah, I just started playing guitar. Then I just I wanted to play music, so it wasn't really. Too fast in, ter- in in terms of what I was going to play. Um, I think also the first ever band I was in needed a guitarist because someone had always someone had already bagged the the drum and the bass slot. Uh, so I had to play guitar. So um, that was my first first band, probably when I was like thirteen or fourteen. Um, so since then, you know, I've kind of checked out all different styles of music. I went and studied music and. Um, got right into jazz and everything in between. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I do a bit of covers band stuff as well, just to make some money. Um, so yeah, it's kind of always been something that's a big part of my life. Uh, and now it's kind of what I do with teaching and you know, gigging or whatever. Mm, one last question, and I know it's a very difficult one. What are some of your favourite bands or albums? Oh, all right. Oh, this is kind of easy, I guess. <laughs> um, at the moment, um, I'm really into just fucking Bolt Thrower and every single album they've ever done. So listening to a lot of Bolt Thrower at the moment. I have been for like two years. Uh, um, as, you know, in terms of a classic band that I'm always coming back to, Um I like a lot of the later Mayhem stuff at the moment, especially the guitaring and the kind of the, the harmonies and stuff that they kind of pull with that. Uh, and kind of bands that kind of sound sound like sound like that, I guess. Um, favorite all? Did you say favorite all time albums? No, just like get get a sense of like some of the albums and or bands that you're that kind of are important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, well, there's that. Uh, I've been checking out a lot of dungeon synth stuff, so a lot of kind of that darker electronic music. Um, bands like uh, well, artists like Old Tower and you know Mortis and. Um, you know, guys like that. There's a lot of obscure underground stuff within that scene as well that I listen to. Uh, and that kind of helps with, you know, um, kind of listening into the, I guess, the deeper side of the the, the darkness, you know, um, bringing that out in the, on the guitar. Um, yeah. I guess there's a lot of lot of lot of metal bands I've been listening to lately. Just whatever comes out, not fine.
that was Embrace the Cold by Sumeru from the album Summon Destroyer. And before that, we heard the title track of that album, Summon Destroyer. I uh, really enjoyed that interview with uh, Peter from Sumeru. I'm going to give a kind of complimentary recommendation this week for a band called Domcraft and their album Flood. Kind of has the vaguely sort of similar... I know, stoner sludge aspect without the experimentation that obviously Sumeru has done. It has a psychedelic flavor, but one of the really things I found interesting about it was that the vocals are a bit more submerged in the mix than um, I know, a lot of bands in this style. And I think that's a really good point to highlight is that where the vocals are positioned in the mix is incredibly important. And it can, to a certain extent, be related to whether the vocals are any good or not. I think if the vocals aren't any good, it can often be a really good decision just to put the vocals a little bit lower in the mix, and that can kind of cover up. But even if the vocals are good, like they are in this album, it may sometimes be a good decision just aesthetically to put them lower in the mix. It can give a really different feeling in this one. And this one, like, they're kind of... You know, the vocals are yelled, and they've got a really organic feel to them. It's difficult to describe. Listen to the album and see what you think. But it's always been something I'm interested in, is where the vocals are positioned in the mix. And I've kind of thought, like, a lot of black metal bands, put them back a bit. You know, they're no good. But this album I was really feeling, I was thinking, wow, this is such a great decision to put the vocals lower in the mix, even though I think they're probably good if you put them higher. It wouldn't do so much damage to them if you put them higher. But that, that, I'd definitely give that album a listen. Domcraft, their album Flood. Um, I'll be back next week with interviews with Alithia and The Ocean, already recorded. It's actually quite enjoyable to have interviews pre-recorded because it means I can kind of have a little bit more time to edit them and not be in a rush. You know, I did the interview with Adnate during the week. I did it on the Wednesday and released it that day. And it just means that I'm in a situation where I have to edit it that day. And that's not always the place I want to be. But anyway, a bit, bit of inside baseball there. So listen in next week for those interviews. And thanks so much for joining me. See ya. <laughs>